0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Twas the night before Christmas and up in the tower, everyone was partying except one wallflower. John McClain missed his wife. Things just weren't the same since Holly had moved west and changed her last name. He tried to win her back, but still she said no. Well, unbeknownst to them, there was trouble below. And welcome to our special holiday episode of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Die Hard. Beware. Spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John.
1: Yippee-ki-yay. You gonna finish that? No. Pussy.
0: And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Evening officer, what can I do for you? (laughs) Nice. The doorman. Do you know what his name is in the movie? Neither do I. Ah, shit. I got 50 bucks bet on them assholes. Yeah, so uh, it's Christmas time, boys. Uh, Merry Christmas, professor. Merry Christmas. I would say Merry Christmas to the comic book guy, but uh, do you celebrate Christmas? I do with family.
1: Merry Christmas. So, wait, wait, wait. Happy wait. Holidays. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Is that a yes or a no?
1: I believe I do.
0: Okay, well, there you go. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas.
1: Happy Holidays.
0: <laughs> this is our our special Christmas episode. We are reviewing one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made, the 1988 Bruce Willis vehicle, Die Hard. So much to talk about. So, so much, much to know. unpack. Yeah. yeah.
1: This movie set up so many other movies.
0: Oh, I know. Um, coming down the pipeline, we actually get to talk about die hard on a bus. So yeah, this movie changed things. It created
1: the formula of one man against a group in a confined area. So we got under siege came out after this die hard on a boat, you know, it it set up all of these movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely a game changer. Uh, do you guys remember where you were when you saw it for the first time? I'm assuming we all saw this in the theater, yes?
1: I'm guessing so. I don't remember Duh. the exact place. Uh,
0: well, the professor seems to do. Lay it yeah. on me.
2: No, I, I just I know I saw it in the theater. But what, what I found more memorable was I had this specific recollection back in the day when 7 used to rent VHS videotapes. And I rented Die Hard and it's 1130 at night on a weeknight. And I had just started watching the movie. And for whatever reason, my dad got up and he's like, well, you doing? I'm watching a movie. And so he, he sits and he watches a, a few moments of it. And then the next thing you know, he's watching the whole thing with me in the middle of the fucking night. He loved the movie.
0: That is awesome so awesome uh do you remember the crest Mm -hmm. it's still up the street right many years ago die hard was playing there and my best friend dave uh lived right by there and uh his sister uh, dave's sister worked there we knew people that worked there so we knew the manager so uh we saw die hard probably every day after school um, probably for like uh, a month for, or however long it was at the crest. Cause we could go in and watch it for free. Mm-hmm. We watched it so many times that, uh, I rem- and I will never forget this. Uh, we sat behind this guy and, uh, the movie comes on and I start saying all the lines, right? I do the whole, uh, McLean residence, Lucy McLean speaking. Hello, Lucy McLean. This is your mother speaking. And the guy turns around and says, are you going to do that for the entire movie? so needless to say i think that's where i got uh is that where it started i think that's where it started
2: there's just so many lines in this movie that just roll off the tongue yes
0: absolutely absolutely uh die hard was released july 15th 1988 it was directed by john mctiernan the screenplay by jeb stewart and Stephen D souza based on the book nothing lasts forever by roderick thorpe Produced by Lawrence Gordon, Joel Silver, and it stars, Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Alexander Gudinov, and Bonnie Bedelia. An NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several other hostages taken by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles.
2: I'm sorry, did you say Christmas party?
0: I did say Christmas party.
2: Okay, so this takes place at christmas
0: not only at christmas it's christmas eve oh yeah and i'm pretty sure by the time they drive away or do we say spoilers by the time they drive away in the limo it's christmas morning
1: and it's technically snowing
0: and frank's technically snowing
1: and frank sinatra is singing let it snow Now, do you know Sinatra's connection to this movie?
0: Yeah, he played the John McClane character in a movie called The Detective.
1: Yes, and what is The Detective from? A book. The book that was the Nothing Lasts Forever that this was based off was actually a sequel to the book The Detective that Frank Sinatra played in the movie.
0: Did you know that Frank Sinatra had first right of refusal for the role of John McClane? Yep, I did. He I was, did hear that. He In fact, uh, 73, I think when this all went down.
1: Yeah. Originally they were going to make a movie directly from the book and they were going to use him, but then the rights, I think expired and someone else got the rights and made die hard.
0: Yeah. And lucky for us that happened. Yeah. Can you imagine old blue eyes running around at 73?
1: Well, the oh. original original from the book would have taken place over three days and, uh, would have had a terrorist instead of the people trying to steal the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so a yeah. lot of other changes they made, we can cover that later. Sure, sure. Now, uh, how much money did this movie make and how it cost?
0: This movie was made for 35 million and it took in 142 million.
1: Not bad, but not as good as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They made like 200 million, did they really? Yeah, oh, that's wow. what I was so blown away by. It. I can't believe that they did better than Die Hard. You know, the year this—it's a out, different market, bud. Yeah. The year this
2: came out, uh, it was—it was in the top ten. But other movies that were on top of Die Hard, the movie Cocktail, that made more money with
0: Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, Ew.
1: yeah. Crocodile Dundee two, two. Yeah, they made, made more money. They though. made two of them. Yeah. I'm saying though that the sequel made more money than this. Good Morning Vietnam. That I could see. Yeah. Who, who Framed Roger Rabbit?
2: Yeah. Any of these movies you watch anytime recently, any of these movies you feel like watching ever
0: again?
3: Eh,
0: maybe Boop. one or two, but not. Rabbit, I, I, I understand where you're going with that. Yeah, no, Come they're on. they're the, no diehard, right? Exactly. But at the time, they had no idea that this was gonna work. Uh, Bruce Willis wasn't even their first choice. I mean, he was number six down the line.
1: He was way down the list. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Was it Nick Nolte they offered it to first?
0: Probably. It's like, who didn't they offer it Yeah, they it to?
2: offered it to all of the big muscle people.
0: They had so much faith in Bruce Willis that the original movie poster didn't have his face on it. It was mm-hmm. just the tower.
2: The reason why he wasn't on there was because the initial screening that they were doing, it had a very milk toast response. And because it was so uh, tepid, they thought, oh uh, boy, maybe we shouldn't be pushing him. Because he had only done one movie. What was the one movie?
0: Blind Date. Blind Date, yeah.
2: Correct. And so he's on mood lighting and he is not a movie star. And up to this time... Television actors have not made the transition successfully. It is exceptionally rare to go from TV to the big screen. And the uh, the studio, they paid a lot of money for Bruce, and they were awkwardly deciding that, you know, it's probably going to be okay. And then the initial response was, oh, okay, no, 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 no. They, they took his face off of everything. They reduced the font size of his name, and they went with that just to be on the safe side.
1: Yep. I read and look what happened. I read somewhere that the first scene they filmed with Bruce Willis was the one where he's jumping off the building with the big explosions behind him. Mm-hmm. And he asked early on, "Why did you start with that thing? You know, I could have gotten injured." And their response was, "Because we could have replaced you earlier." Now, here's the big question, the big debate. Is this a Christmas movie? Of course this is our pick for our Christmas movie this year. Is it a Christmas movie? Some of the reasons that I wrote down was obviously it takes place during the holidays at a holiday party. Some of it was actually filmed during Christmas time because it, you know, filmed over several months. It uses a lot of Christmas music in it. John McClane's wife happens to be named Holly. I mean, there's just a ton of reason. There's a lot of references to presents, you know, the, what's his name? The officer in the car. He bought, he's buying Twinkies for his wife as a gift, you know, and, John McClane even makes a comment of, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. I mean, there's a lot of different things. One of the biggest reasons, I thought, was the fact that in the movie, you notice that John McClane is being selfless, so he's kind of on the good list. Whereas the you know, bank-robbing terrorist people, the people stealing the money, the thieves, they're on the naughty list and being naughty, so they get punished.
0: All of that is 100% correct. And it's funny because when the movie opens, you can hear the sleigh bells in the score. Yeah. I mean, it takes place on Christmas Eve.
1: Even at the end when all the bonds are falling down, you know, after the big explosion, it looks like snowfall at the end. Yeah. So I had counted
2: nine times, nine times, nine times, where there is some sort of a Christmas reference that is uh, stated in some fashion in the movie by somebody saying something to do with Christmas. How many times? Nine
0: times. Wait, one more time?
2: Nine times. Wow. I don't remember him being sick nine times. It's probably because he wasn't sick. He was skipping school.
0: Nine times. Okay.
2: That's not the complete quote. All right. but
0: I like the pool though.
2: So I have uh, three basic things to consider what would make a Christmas movie a Christmas movie. First thing is that you need to have a movie that is primarily set during the Christmas season. The second thing is, you need to have a character, or uh, it must include figures in a prominent role that, uh, upon their uh, initial uh, exposure to us, they have something directly to do with Christmas. So, the third criteria is that the film must feature one traditional, at least one traditional Christmas theme, such as love, hope, generosity, faith, redemption, family. Or fear, any one of these things that are exposed during the storyline, in conjunction with one of those two other points. If you have at least two of these things, I think you got a Christmas movie.
0: So I would say that yeah, uh, Die Hard definitely fits uh, uh, all three of those descriptions. Well, so there I don't you
2: know go. As much about the second one, the, the the second one being you have a prominent figure. Now, if you take somebody like Jack Skellington or the Grinch. At the time those are released, they're not necessarily associated directly with Christmas, but I would bet by today's standards, you mentioned Grinch or Jack Skellington, anybody's going to say, yeah,
1: yeah, those are Christmas characters. Yeah. Couldn't you say that Hans Gruber was trying to steal their
0: Christmas? He, uh, well said, uh, John. And anytime you say John McClane, you think Christmas.
1: Yeah. Now, <laughs> technically, 20th Century Fox has put the debate to rest. Because for the 30th anniversary, they advertised this film as the greatest Christmas movie ever made.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, it's hard to debate, I would say that. According to IMDb, the top 10 Christmas movies of all time, Bad Santa, number 10.
1: Did not come out during Christmas time, by the way. Neither did this. I know, I'm saying though, Bad Santa falls into that label as well.
0: Right, but I mean, come on, it's in the name too, right? Uh, Number nine, Elf. Number eight, Miracle on 34th Street. Number seven, A Christmas Story. Number six, Home Alone. Number five, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number four, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Number three, A Christmas Carol. Number two, Die Hard. Number one, It's a Wonderful Life. So if IMDB says it, it's got to be true, right?
1: Some other things I'd like to point out because I mentioned earlier, Bad Santa, which is obviously a Christmas movie, did not come out around Christmas time. Some other Christmas movies, you know, themed movies that did not come out during Christmas time include Gremlins, Black Christmas, Carol, Batman Returns, Trading Places, and Krampus. They all did not come out because Avon always says Die Hard's not a Christmas movie because it came out in June or July, I believe. You July, so. All those movies did not come out during that time.
0: I read somewhere that uh, what makes a Christmas movie is if you think it's a Christmas movie, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Pretty much.
1: I mean, yeah, that, that goes along course. with, is that Batman and Robin a Christmas movie? No. You don't think so? Even though it happens all during Christmas time. And and Batman and Robin doesn't happen or during which, Christmas. Which Batman was it? It's oh, Batman Returns? Batman Returns, I mean. Yeah. Is that a Christmas movie? It's got Christmas lights Yeah, in
0: it. Uh, I would watch it during the Christmas season. Okay. So...
1: Ken, you brought up a good point earlier about how much Bruce Willis was paid to do this movie. Did you see the actual number of how much he was paid? Yeah, it was $5 million. $5 million coming from TV to do that blind date movie to being this action character, getting $5 million.
2: Now, in today's standards, that is a a little muddy to look at. But considering that a typical action star that is an A-lister, they would get $5 million. A more middle-of-the-road actor that would probably get first billing, but not necessarily an A-lister. A-lister talent is going to guarantee that you have a built-in audience. And so the so the studio is going to feel more confident pumping more money into a project if they know that they have a built-in audience. If there is no built-in audience, then it's a riskier deal. So if you have your first name, Bill, and they are not necessarily with that built-in audience, a typical person would probably get 2 to $3 million yeah. at this time. And so for somebody to go from TV into the movie, industry and get five million dollars it raised a lot of eyebrows at the time
0: sure sure and then uh before not too long jim carrey was getting 20 million a picture
2: yeah yeah he skyrocketed up i think
0: he was the first one to do it yeah it was
2: it was was ridiculous you know he had success with ace ventura and then he did well with the mask and then all of a sudden cable guy 20 million yeah it was
0: like what the
2: fuck crazy money yeah
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Bruce gets uh, five million and and becomes an overnight uh, action star. The everyman hero. Wrong place at the wrong time.
2: And let's talk a little bit about that, because when we talk about action movies, action movies are born and bred in Hollywood every day of the week these days. But back when Die Hard was out, action movies were all about your Stallone schwarzenegger big muscles and doing it so suavely and so effectively bruce willis's john mclean is the opposite of that he is the everyman that does not have confidence and he is insecure and he's afraid that he's going to die a lot
1: yeah they say he's a character that's built on self-loathing and the desire to do to make up and to do good for others
2: yeah. So, so this is this is a, a this is a new horizon that Hollywood is opening up because of Die Hard at this time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I don't. For sure. I don't think we would have had movies like uh, Sudden Death, Under Siege, Air Force One, Passenger Fifty Seven, Con Air. All those movies spawned out because of this movie.
2: And I, I, I got to say that when we talk about action movies, this is very much uh, my meat and potatoes. I grew up on action movies. I could not get enough of them.
0: Oh, you and me both. Right? I thought
1: it was you and me with horror movies.
0: Oh, dude, I love every movie. Commando? Shit. Get out of here. I, I, uh, who else Who else did you mention? You, oh, You um, said you'd kill me last. I lied. Predator? Funnily enough, nice segue there, Professor. Predator was directed by John McTiernan. The and, year before. Uh, the year before. And Predator was fucking awesome. But look at Predator. It was uh, Arnold and his buddies. Against the one Predator. His next film he goes on to direct is Die Hard. Uh, Die Hard and you have all the terrorists against one guy. Mm-hmm. So there's a theme there. Did you know when Carl gets shot by Al, the score that plays during that is a leftover aliens tune that they didn't use?
2: I read that just recently. Yeah, that was crazy.
0: I I I, I knew that. And then listening to it again last night, I can totally see it. Yeah, it has I some totally weird name,
1: it. Starship something or other. Or.
0: Oh, the, the track us Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's totally set up for aliens.
2: This movie did get nominated for uh, four Academy Awards. I was kind of surprised by that. I didn't know that it had gotten nominated for any Academy Awards. Neither did I. What awards did it get nominated for? It got nominated for uh, sound, film editing, sound effects editing, and visual effects.
0: Yeah. I and didn't win it. any? No no Oscars uh, but, but just to be nominated <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you that was
2: some low-hanging fruit yeah well
0: fucking die hard man it uh changed my life that I fucking know for sure a truck had pulled up and who should disembark but 14 men whose intentions were dark they spoke not a word and unloaded big crates they cut the phone lines and locked all the gates Carl swept the ground floor shooting every guard dead while visions of Bear bonds danced in their head. John took off his shoes, making fists with his toes. It actually worked. Well, what do you know? When out in the lobby, there arose such a clatter, he sprung to the door to see what was the matter. All right, so Die Hard opens with the uh, plane landing, and we're immediately introduced to uh, Bruce Willis's character, John McClane, who we will all come to love and you know, a door, at least through three solid movies. But we talk about that three, another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my first thought was, uh, you know, how he's talking to the guy mm-hmm. and he says, uh, trust me, I've been doing this for nine years. And he gets up. and Eleven. He's, well, whatever. And he sees uh, John's gun. And I was thinking to myself, wow, back on the days when you could just carry a gun on a plane like that.
1: Yeah, Julie brought up the same point of were they allowed to carry guns at that time, and I think they were before nine eleven, weren't they?
0: Oh, probably cops. I think so. Yeah. I think they just had to show it and go through security. But who knows, right? But and then his line, right? Trust me, I've been doing it for eleven years. Eleven years. Yeah, great introduction, and immediately uh, Bruce Willis. And, and is is it weird to see Bruce Willis with hair again? Kinda. Yeah. You know,
1: I made that exact comment we started watching the movie going, oh my God,
0: he's got hair. He's so young, you know, and then he has that smirk and that smirk has taken him to where he is today. Um,
1: I will admit it. A guilty pleasure of mine was watching Moonlighting. I liked that show.
0: I don't call it a guilty pleasure. I will take that with pride. I watched every single episode of Moonlighting. I would stay up uh, past my bedtime to watch Moonlighting. And the one that always got me was the uh, slap heard around the world.
1: Which was better,
0: Moonlighting or Remington Steel?
1: Moonlighting. Okay, you have a preference, or did you watch either? I was too
2: young. No, that's that's Johnson. <laughs> I, was, I was. I was still it.
0: I was it, in junior uh, high, uh, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> no,
2: I, I didn't watch either one. I watched a couple episodes, but it it never stuck. Mm-hmm. I, I I I was indifferent towards uh, either one of those shows. Have Have either of you? Tried to do the uh, fist with your toes into the carpet?
0: That's funny that you say that because, yes, I have. And as you both know, I've I've traveled a lot for, for my job. And there were times where I would go take off my shoes and socks and make fist with your toes. Does it work? Uh, yes.
2: I didn't get anything out of it. I've
1: never tried it.
0: I think it, I think it worked because uh, subconsciously I needed it to work because it's from one of my favorite films. Did, so
1: when you did it, did it make you feel like you could take on a bunch of thieves robbing a building?
0: No, but I don't think it made him feel like he could either. He didn't want to. No, he McLean just, did not want to do this. Let's be clear. He
2: is the he is the reluctant hero.
0: Right. Right. So now, we're
1: wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, oh, absolutely.
2: And he would be happy to hand this off to somebody else.
0: Yeah that's what makes him that guy Mm -hmm. um so yeah he gets off the plane we get the credits and we hear the sleigh bells in the theme and then we cut to nakatomi so now we get to see where you know all this is going to go down uh and we're cutting back and forth from nakatomi to uh the airport with bruce willis um and he meets argyle the limo driver um
2: And Argyle uh, lets us into John's world.
0: Yep. And this is the 30 seconds of backstory of McLean that we get. And really, it's all we need. Totally. Totally. McTiern does a great job with having this conversation in the car and just the questions and the answers. I mean, you get it all. You know, John's kind of a dick. Right. But he's from New York. He's from the East Coast. He's going to the West Coast. I mean, that's to be expected.
1: Did you like how he sat up front with Argyle? Oh, I thought that was hilarious. And you know, it was brought up when we were watching the movie is that's kind of what you expect as someone who's like a New York cop who's not used to limos. He does not want to sit in the back and be chauffeured.
0: Absolutely. That's why the bear gets the back seat. Yeah. So, um, And I love, uh, you know, they go through their bit and uh, we find out that John's a New York cop whose wife took a uh, lucrative job in L.A., uh, for a very um, uh, powerful company, if you will, but he didn't think she was going to make it. So is they've it, argued about it, and you can tell that the argument is still going and the wounds are fresh. Um,
1: is it Argyle that calls him out on his bullshit when he says you didn't think she'd make it?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let me guess. Uh, you didn't think she would make it, so why bothered pack? And then he laughs and he says, uh, you're "Very quick, Argyle." Uh, so yeah, they, they kind of wrapped that up into a, a, a bow for us, but you know, to John's credit, he's trying, you know, he, he made the trip. He wants to maybe reconcile or uh, see the kids and see his family at Christmas. That's
2: that's what this trip is about for John minus the terrorists. This is a trip for John to have reconciliation And and to be with his kids, maybe even some atonement
0: perhaps, but he sure goes through a hell of a lot to get there. Um, um uh, my my favorite bit uh about this whole limo ride is when he goes you mind if we hear some music and uh he run puts DMC. in the tip and it's fucking run dmc and i love it uh i think the first time that elise and i watched this that song came on and i said who is this and she kind of looks at me for a second and she said run dmc i was so proud you should be proud. i was so proud That's so every time we nice. hear it now she she thinks of Die Hard.
1: I guess, Christmas movie? I guess on the initial soundtrack, they did not put Run DMC on the initial
0: soundtrack. I they think, did
1: on a future release. Yeah,
0: no, I think you're correct on that because I remember looking for it. But it is on uh, Run DMC's uh, one of their albums. After so.
1: watching this movie, I went and watched the music video.
0: Oh, for that for that yeah, song? Christmas I,
1: and Hollis? I love that one.
0: Yeah. All right,
2: so who who which one of them was in Comic-Con?
0: Uh, that was Daryl, DMC. Yeah,
2: okay. Oh, so he's DMC. Yeah. yeah.
0: So John gets to the uh, tower. Um,
2: and, and his awkwardness with the uh, the signing in. Oh, cute toy, right? This is back when technology is pretty spanking new
0: for us. Right, right. And so the uh, the building lets him know that uh, his wife, Holly, is not working there under Holly McClain, but as Holly Gennaro. Uh, so he goes. Uh, he finds out that they're on the 30th floor. Now let's talk about this for a second. What company has their holiday party on Christmas Eve? That seems kind of like a dick move.
1: Total dick move. What the hell?
0: But still makes it a Christmas movie. Well, well,
1: I don't know. That seemed like a pretty interesting Christmas party with cocaine, uh, people sleeping around. It, there was a lot of happening at that Christmas party. Well,
0: it's, it was in LA.
1: What did you it's expect? 1988. Eight, yeah. 1988. You mm. sound
0: shocked and almost horrified that this was going on. Decadence. I, I never
1: got invited to one of
0: those Christmas parties.
2: And so here we get to meet Holly and we get to meet Mr. Takagi and good old Ellis
1: with his mold wine did suggestion. You, did you read who almost got to play Mr. T- Takagi? No. Who's that? Who really wanted the role, but his manager screwed it up? I'll bet the manager got fired eventually. Oh, I don't know. George Dekai almost no, had that role. Dekai. Take, I'm sorry. George Takay. Wanted that role, but apparently there was some miscommunication with his manager and he did not get it. Wow. And they wanted him for it. Well, the guy that they got, it's interesting that he made that Pearl Harbor joke. Mm -hmm. And a previous movie that he was famous for was a movie where he played a general during Pearl Harbor.
2: I remember that. James Shigita.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Ironic.
2: Don't
0: you think? So uh, at this point, we are now introduced to our uh, terrorist. We see that box truck coming in, right? ominous music the ominous music Yeah, uh, the was it beethoven uh ode to joy
1: have we met ellis yet yes yeah, he just yes. says
0: oh okay because that dick yeah <laughs> show him the watch
2: show him the watch
0: oh <laughs> what come on are you embarrassed <laughs> but it's a
1: rolex you are big about foreshadowing and did you catch the foreshadowing with the watch
0: with john's line not i'm sure i'll see it later yeah i'm sure uh,
1: i'll see it later which he does
0: yeah, well, no, not the first time I saw it. And I challenge anybody to say that they did. But um, now that you watch it, you can't help but smile, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll see it later. Yeah, and so, yeah, we uh, the terrorists come in, and uh, the truck pulls up to the dock, and the door opens up. And this is the first time we get to see Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. And this is Alan Rickman's first studio movie. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of got a lot riding on the line here. And I remember seeing it and even to this day when he when that door opens up and they start walking off mixed with the score i'm thinking these are some bad motherfuckers
1: it was his idea to wear a suit they originally wanted him in tactical gear but he proposed that he thought Hans Gruber would wear a
0: suit. Oh, and there's another improvised line between him and Willis when he has the American accent mm-hmm. that they were so impressed that he could do an American accent. Uh, McTiernan said, oh, why don't you and Bruce just ad that? So mm-hmm. what we got was fucking ad- It was the brilliant. Whole thing. That's oh, created he was the, so good. Yeah. That's
1: what created that tension during that scene is the fact that they didn't know what each other's lines were going to be. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting scenes while we're at this office party is when John McLean and Holly go into that office area and they have that fight. That kind of, again, gives a real good glimpse into who John McClane
0: is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the private bathroom. Because yeah. he, says, he says to her, uh, you know, or she says to him, you got to forgive Ellis. And he goes, I think he's got his eye on you. Uh, she says, well, I have my eye on his private bathroom. So mm-hmm. that's Ellis's bathroom.
1: <laughs> but then they get into that little fight and then she leaves and then he starts hitting his head against the door, you know, kind of, you know scolding himself and you can kind of get that feeling of that self-loathing that he has that. Why did he have to start a fight? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, real mature. He says Mm -hmm. real mature. He does call Argyle because Argyle gave him the card earlier. You know, uh, he's going to pull in the parking garage and wait for him. And, uh, at the same time, our terrorists are in the building and they've split off into two, three teams, maybe even more. They killed the guards at the front. They kill the guards at the front. They take over the front. Um, and then uh, they have to cut all the phone lines and they cut the phone lines while John and Argyle are talking and which is kind of weird. And then the elevator raises up and it's the ding and it opens and there are our terrorists again and then shit's about to pop off. Mm-hmm. So
1: while well, John's off in the bathroom, getting his toes rubbed on the carpet.
0: Yeah. That fucking guy, that fucking guy, this Wonder- whole, however minute we're into this film fucking hooked.
2: Wonderful. Wonderfully put together.
0: Yes. When what to his wondering eye should appear, holy crap, there are terrorists here. John hid under a table where no one could see and watched Hans question Mr. Takagi. I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Give me the codes to open the vault door. I don't know the codes, so go ahead and shoot. Okay, said Hans Gruber, and ruin Takagi's suit john tried to call the cops by pulling an alarm but instead called the bad guys who tried to cause him harm but john killed tony who had very small feet and sent him to the terrorist as a yuletide treat he put a santa hat on the german and eyes all aglow wrote now i have a machine gun
3: ho ho ho
0: carl was furious tony was his brother he chased john across the roof as they shot at each other john was able to escape through the ventilation shaft come out to the coast he sighed we'll have a few laughs so john and holly have this fight she has to go off and make the speech and then all of a sudden the terrorists arrive and the gunfire starts going and he immediately grabs his gun and he looks and the um I love the chaos of this scene, and I love how everyone's just kind of running around, and you hear gun firing, and then you see the shot of Hans standing there, and Carl walks by him, and they're so matter of fact and so business, and then he kind of takes off. It, it was, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it it it, um, it was a really cool shot.
2: The calm, the demeanor that he has, because he has his, his little book open, mm-hmm. and uh, as things settle down, and then he continues to read out of his little book. And then he closes the book, and then he puts it away.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, oh my God! Such a great opening line from a fucking uh, villain,
1: right? When when you think of any villain in any movie, he is the top of my list. That's a great point to make.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and already contradict you, Joker.
1: I don't know. How, every time I think of the badass criminal i always think of hans gruber. The, the, the,
0: the point, you'll always go back to the joker but i see i hear what you're saying
2: the point that i'm making is hans gruber is one of the most iconic villains in cinematic history. He is in the top 10, I think.
0: with Without question. Without well, a doubt. Well, 100%. Alan,
1: Alan Rickman originally turned down the role yeah, when that. it was offered to me. He, he got to California, and he was offered the role in like just a couple of days. Yeah, when it was people like said two days. People that, that, that doesn't happen. You don't get these kind of roles that quick, and so that's why he took the movie. He was afraid that he would get stereotyped as a villain. He didn't want his first role to be a villain, and he created this iconic
0: character. Oh, so good so good so he gives them his opening speech which i fucking love um and my favorite part about that speech is the ending you will be witnesses you know just so matter of fact and then we cut to john getting away in the stairwell
2: i remember watching this the first time thinking holy shit you know i think that's what i would have done too i think i i think i would have taken off just like he did and then there he is upstairs one No, two floors up, and he is chastising himself. It's like, what do I do? What do I type of thing? It's just like, oh, man, I am right there with you, John.
0: So it's funny that you say that. I distinctly remember back in 1988, I was in eighth grade, and my brother Chris, who uh, him and I share uh, a lot of similarities with movies, but a lot of big differences. That's what makes it fun to talk to, uh, talk movies with him. I remember him saying that what he liked and appreciated about this because he was older and got to see it before me was that how McLean had to talk to himself and how to you know what are you going to do how are you going to get out of this and um yeah i mean just such little uh additions uh, to the character that you know he that's why he went down and that's why he did what he did that's why john McLean became who he claimed i fucking love that think god damn it think i say that shit all the time <laughs> yeah yeah
2: so 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 effective i i mean i just remember that you know through the first half of the movie easily i am right beside him in his thoughts in his words in his mannerisms he uh, he was so delightfully put together on the screen and i totally bought everything that he did for every second through the entire first half of the movie, if not more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh after he gets away, we find out that Han uh Hans uh, finds out who Takagi is and they get taken away for a private meeting. And he's Alan Rickman is so cool when he's giving the bio of Takagi. He's just casually walking down through the crowd. And if you notice all the guards are walking or you know, uh walking around casing, seeing if they can find him. And uh Holly being uh, the wife of a cop immediately grabs his arm and they make it a point to show us that shot. And then she says, don't move. Right. Um, But eventually he gives up and he, uh, they get on the elevator and I love the conversation.
2: Question. I am curious to know, did Hans Gruber know what Tagagi looked like?
0: I don't know
1: because when he's walking, he's looking at every older Asian gentleman um and looking it almost looks like he's looking for a reaction. So I don't know if he knows exactly what he looks like.
0: I think it's supposed to I think it's meant to tell us that he doesn't. Which back in 88 I guess is not unheard of. I mean,
1: but then he said he also read an article about him in one of the magazines. Do you think they would have had a photo of him in the article? Maybe
0: or maybe a picture of the models that he likes so much. Could have
1: been a younger picture too.
0: Yeah, you never know.
1: My
2: thought is that he absolutely knew what he looked like and the only reason why he was doing that was because he was sizing up who tagagi is
0: interesting yeah. interesting interesting take so yeah the, and then that uh, conversation in the elevator right yeah you know.
2: talking about the suits i have two myself
0: oh so good rumor has it arafat buys his there as they walk off uh, and then they start interrogating him and uh john in the meantime makes his way down to the same room and um you know this this Scene should tell you right away who you're dealing with when you're talking about Hans Gruber, right? He asks nicely for the codes.
2: Puts the gun onto the table. He doesn't bluff. No,
0: well, yeah, and he he puts the gun on the table to show you I mean business. This is what
2: we're talking about. Right.
0: And he gives him a chance. And he and he even says, uh Takagi says it's useless to you. And he says, Well, then there's no reason not to give it to us, right? And then he starts to panic. I like
1: the line of, uh, I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four.
0: I use that shit all the time too, uh, especially with kids. Um, I told you. That's one of my favorite. It's not over yet. (laughs) And then the look Hans gives both of those. He's like, like, shut the fuck up. That's what that look is. It's so good. Um, One, two. Uh, I don't have the code. You're just going to have to kill me. Okay. Boom. And then the look on Bruce Willis's face when it happens,
1: brilliant. Well, the two uh, Carl and I forget the other guy's name. Theo, Theo, uh, they ad libbed that whole betting thing behind him. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. They they thought it would be interesting to add a scene of you know, of course, these two terrorist thieves guys would have a bet on whether or not he would break. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. Uh, and then John uh, bumps his head, right? And then, uh, well, first uh, the line and we'll keep going back to lines fine we'll do it the hard way because <laughs> you you shoot something right hans so good so he gets away john gets away and um he he heads upstairs he starts talking to himself again yep. uh, why didn't you stop them john because then you'd be dead too asshole think god it, think mm. and then it dawns on him fire alarm fire alarm uh, naturally the terrorists intercept it, and John goes upstairs, waits for the cavalry to come and they, and they're coming. You got sirens and he's all excited. The terrorists send someone up to investigate. It's Carl's brother, you know, more good dialogue from I Bruce think Willis. That
1: brother is a liar. Oh, oh yeah. Totally. totally right. you come out and I promise for, so I won't hurt you. And, and he comes it, out of the corner, immediately starts shooting. Yeah. He doesn't even,
0: yeah, totally a liar yeah uh doesn't he cock it too after he says it he says promise i won't hurt you and then he cocks the gun i think he does something like that which he apparently
1: uh the actor who played uh the brother what was his name brother of carl Yeah, brother of carl uh he was the only actual german besides bruce willis in this movie so he was the only one that actually spoke german the rest of them were all just actors who didn't speak german Uh, yeah
0: and and german is very rarely spoken Well, it's funny,
1: too, that uh, Alan Rickman's originally from England. Uh, Bruce Willis was born in Germany. So right after he kills him, he
2: starts going through the body. Right. And this is where we get a walkie-talkie and some detonators and some ammunition and cigarettes. Does he
1: have the detonators? At this no, point or there, or no. It,
0: he just gets uh, the walkie-talkie. He just gets the walkie-talkie. And oh, he, that's it. Oh, really. a machine gun. He, right, right, right. Oh, right. and the machine gun. He gets a machine gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> ho, ho, ho! He's got a machine gun. That's right. So Carl's brother comes up to investigate. They get in a fight. John kills him. And then uh, you know, since John's barefoot, the first thing I would have done too was go for the shoes. You know, was you say, nine million terrorists in the world. I got to kill one with feet sp- smaller than my sister. So he's still shoeless, but he has this brilliant idea. He's going to send the dead terrorist to his terrorist friends with the message.
1: I like the line that comes right after that, which is. Somebody tell Carl his brother is dead.
0: <laughs> well, he says... uh a matter of fact. Yeah, but this kind of also gives us an insight to McClane's character. He's hiding out on top of the elevator taking recon.
1: Very clever. Yeah. But Bruce so, Willis did a lot of his own stunts in this movie, and that was one of them. He actually rode on the top of the elevator.
0: And there's a lot of stunts that he didn't do, and we could tell yeah. that it's not Bruce Willis. Yeah, you could tell from but, the hair. Yo, totally. It's totally the hair. Uh, but we'll forgive him this one time because it's a christmas movie and it's full of miracles
2: and and it's perfect timing because this is right when uh this is right when uh han says have no illusions we are in charge
0: yep and then the door opens and guess what they're not so much in charge <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
0: good yeah so he's riding the elevator all the way up because he has to get to the roof because that's the best place to transmit right so uh he goes up there and he calls for help and no one believes him you know, and this is some of the greatest lines ever. In yeah, any
1: movie. I love the, uh, you know, I will I'll it's illegal to go ahead and make a crank
0: call. Yeah, fine, arrest me or fine, come down here and arrest me. Just send the police now. The other line I like is, "Do you think I'm ordering a fucking pizza? No fucking shit, ladies. Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza. Yo, oh, classic, absolutely classic." Uh, so they the LAPD investigates, but in the meantime. Uh, hans and team figure out where the best place to transmit is so they all go up to the roof and before they get out of the elevator the terrorist carl's brother or uh carl the brother of the dude McLean killed says nobody kills him but me right there you're setting yourself up for failure Mm -hmm. right you have two other guys what are they fucking supposed to do
1: isn't that the same mistake every bad guy makes
0: yeah but you would think that these bad guys are smarter and for a little while they kind of are
1: i would just say whoever kills him kills him
0: yeah you get a shot
1: take it yeah but you know that, he, and, and never monologue. That's the two things,
0: uh, which Hans Gruber does. And well, we'll get there. Uh, so John escapes. He goes into the elevator shaft and then into the ventilation ducts. And you know, so good.
1: This is actually obviously a stunt person did the whole, you know, falling down into the elevator shaft area. And I guess they screwed up this scene. The the stuntman. Did you read about that? Yeah, it was an accident. He was supposed to catch that first like vent area and he missed it and then caught the second one, but they thought it looked so cool. They kept it in the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it does. But I always thought to myself, there's no way anybody could grab that going down,
1: but somebody did. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he had a wire on one of the things this movie does right away though at there, at this scene where he catches the vent and he climbs into the little shaft area um, is it dates itself because he makes a comment of this is what a TV dinner feels like. And I, met, I found myself having to explain, well, back when TV dinners were covered with aluminum foil and, you know, you're all compact and all that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see TV dinners like that anymore. Yeah. yeah.
2: In the meantime, we get to meet Al. Al is introduced to us as he is responding to the call while he's getting his Twinkies.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And Code 2... Does anybody know what a code two is?
1: Yes. A code two. We'll give a little time for the audience to guess, but a code two. Wait, 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 they're almost there from what I've read. Wait,
0: no, they're not there yet. Give them a little bit more time. You're the one that brought it up.
1: Okay. Anyway, a code two, I believe is when they go to a scene to check out a scene, but they do not use sirens. Yes, it is. It is um, a A drive
2: by. Well, it's more than a drive by. It, It is an urgent request for help, but without sirens. As opposed to just a drive-by, if you will.
1: Now, obviously, question. uh, The guy who plays the officer, getting the Twinkies and everything, he was on a TV series where he played an officer. Not the same character, but he did play an officer. What TV series?
0: Really? Are you asking us that? This movie came out in 1988. That show was on in the 90s. Everyone knows that answer. What is it?
2: Uh, It's not Trading Places Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> Family Matters. Thank
1: you. Yeah, there you go. I knew it was something schmaltzy like know, that. He I did know. actually play the same character in an episode of Chuck. He I heard that. that yeah, I heard that.
0: He also played the same character in Die Hard 2. Die
1: Hard 2, yeah, correct.
0: At Nakatomi Tower, Sergeant Powell appeared. He checked the whole lobby and saw nothing weird. He was pulling away but didn't get far before Marco landed on the hood of his car pal drove away backwards screaming in fright welcome to the party pal John yelled with delight more police arrived the FBI and SWAT team but Hans didn't mind it was all part of his scheme more rapid than Eagles his henchmen they came as he radioed and shouted and called them by name now Eddie now James now Franco now Uli on Fritz and on Carl hair long and unruly They shot the SWAT tank with surface-to-air missile and knocked it away like the down of a thistle. Now, John McClane was angry indeed. He blew up two terrorists and called them jerkweed. All right, so now we get to the introduction of Sergeant Al Powell, and uh, along with that, we get the media and the rest of the outside world. And what I love about this uh, movie is the building is a character as well. Right, it very much plays uh, an integral part of this story and uh, the fact that they have everything locked down from the inside and you have all of these people on the outside I mean how did you how do you even handle that right So the LAPD comes in they block everything off and then we get the uh, relationship building between John and uh, Powell. Powell yeah
2: yeah and, and during this first conversation they both refer to each other as partner yeah. And so that is instilling in us that they are both blue blood brothers.
0: Yeah. And, and Al even senses that uh, further down the line a little bit. Uh, But before we get there, what do you think of McLean's way of getting Al's attention?
2: Dropping the body on the car. That was
0: so fucking awesome.
2: Man, that was crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, he had to huck that, huck that body. Uh, Is it John who shoots up his car?
1: No, No. it's the uh, right when the body hits the car, uh, the terrorists figure out what just happened and they shoot from the top of the building. Yeah. With their machine guns. Now I thought they were shooting from the fifth floor as well. Oh it could be.
0: Yeah, because they break glass. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, before this scene actually, before John has the body, is the office scene where he's crawling under the table and he's you know, the guy's saying to him, uh, if you ever have someone, you know, in your line of sight, you shoot him or something like that. And doesn't John say something like, Thanks for the advice?
0: or Yeah. After he shoots him to the table.
1: Now, did you read what happened to Bruce
0: Willis during this scene? Because of said extra loud blanks, he damaged his hearing.
1: Yeah, I guess they had plexiglass around the area to kind of keep the gunshot in and keep it loud and everything. And it caused permanent damage in one of his ears. Yeah, And I guess he's been, ever since then, he's worn a hearing aid. Two-thirds
2: of the hearing in one ear. Wow. Now, is that worth $5 million?
0: Well, look at the career he just had. Yeah. I mean, you tell me, bud.
2: And, and also during this time, we get to have Hans and John chit-chat with each other for the first time.
0: Yeah. Everyone's freaking out. Hans is, you know, this is all part of the plan, guys. Just everybody relax. And then all of a sudden, static comes over the radio when Hans jumps on and says, I thought I told all of you to keep radio silence. And then, you know, John McClane being John McClane. Um, they start to have their banter back and forth, and you know this is where the epic line comes in, and the most iconic line that it's probably you know what when you think about Christmas and you think about Christmas movies, the first thing you think as a, a, a tagline or a saying from Christmas is "Merry Christmas," of course, right? But the second one, always from here on out,
1: it's iconic.
0: It's yippee-ki-yay motherfucker! Did you hear what that line almost was? Yippi Kaye Mother Lover?
1: No, the uh director thought it wasn't Yippie Kaye. He thought it was Yippie Taye. And so they got into an argument. Tae? Taye. Yeah and so it almost was, they had uh, Bruce Willis film it both ways. It almost was Yippie Taye, motherfucker.
0: Well, that would have just been dumb. Now we meet Richard Thornburg. Richard Thornburg, played brilliantly by William Atherton.
2: Yes, correct.
0: Nailed it. a classic bad guy from the 80s. Uh, When you think of William Atherton, I think uh, before Die Hard, uh, I thought real genius. Totally. He's the the, the head professor, whatever. You know who I think of? Who? Peck. Oh, Walter Peck from the Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know that he's kind of a slimeball, shady little character. And, of course, he is the uh, anchor. He steals or he gets a, a truck and he heads out to the Nakatomi, Nakatomi Tower.
1: Site. Yep. Yeah, he has no care for any of the people being held hostage. You know, no concern for John McClain, anybody. He just wants the story and just wants the credit. Yeah.
2: And then from here we have the introduction of the police force, specifically with Dwayne Robinson. John McTiernan specifically wanted to make the police be not antagonists, but certainly somebody that we were not going to champion ourselves with and feel good about. The police were meant to look ineffective or inept, inadequate, certainly nothing that was going to be able to help John McClane.
0: Right, and Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson uh, is played by Paul Gleason, Mm -hmm. who we just reviewed in... Breakfast Club. There you go. So you got two of the biggest villains in the 80s in the same movie. Uh, Who aren't? really the villain right No, so. but
1: they're just so good at playing dicks and
0: and that's what they were cast for right so yeah mm-hmm. we meet them and uh one of my favorite lines and i laughed so hard last night when elise and i were watching this but uh jesus christ pal he could be a fucking bartender for all we know
1: <laughs> which is funny because uh bruce Willis' before he became an actor do you know what he did as a little? he was
0: a bartender exactly yeah
1: yeah, and then
2: he goes on to say, "Well, how do you explain the body on my car?" Well, I don't know. Maybe he was some disgruntled
0: stockbroker. Yeah, <laughs> so good.
2: And then right after that, you know, they, they, they light up all the all the all the floodlights.
0: Oh yeah, the LAPD has a plan. Yeah, and they the always plan is a procedure. Yeah. The, they have a plan and they are coming in. So uh, the terrorists get ready, kick ass. Oh, I love that. That's so funny. Did you know? Uh, One of the cops that is right next to Al, he's the one that always tells uh, Dwayne T. Robinson, like, the press is here, or there's a phone call or something. Okay. That cop actor is the same cop in Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's Ricky. Oh, really? Yep.
2: Oh, right on.
0: So I like to think that he followed John-
2: Back to New York. Back
0: to New York. Yeah. That's how I like to explain that one. Doesn't make it out, but- Spoilers.
2: And then we get some more classic lines. The police have themselves in RV. Twas It
0: was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, except the four assholes coming up the rear, two-by-two cover formation. Oh, my God. The
1: quarterback is
0: toast. We do this all night,
1: yo. Mm -hmm. Something you mentioned earlier, Professor, was a lot of this movie was ad-libbed, and I loved – First of all, you always got to recognize Al Leong, who played Uli, I believe, in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like a terrorist or something in just about every... He's the bad guy in the 80s. I love him because you can spot him in every single movie. Sure. And I guess there's that scene where he, you know, they're getting ready to take on the police and he reaches in and steals a candy bar. Mm -hmm. That was his idea. He ad-libbed that, but he checked it with the director before he did it because he didn't want to screw up the scene. Yeah, because back then they
0: did film and film was expensive. Yeah,
1: but I That's just, funny. Lo- I just, I thought that scene was just a great break of oh, there's candy. Here.
0: Oh yeah, and then the music that goes along with it, right? It's very air inquisitive of, of and, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, at the same time, the SWAT's coming in and they're running through the sticker bushes and the, ow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it gets hurt. Uh, begin your reconnoiter, and uh, up comes the RV, and uh, turns out the terrorists have brought themselves an RPG rocket launcher. Mm -hmm. So they set it all up, which, you know, the timing doesn't work for me. The, the RV should have gotten there by the time they get it all set up, but whatever you've already hooked me. Uh, I'm sure
1: that was one of the comments we made is they can see it in the distance. And they go upstairs and everything, and it's still coming by the time they get there. Right, it's still the same
0: distance, right? So anyways, they they fire, they hit the RV, and I love what Hans says. uh, Do it again, or hit hit it it again. again. Hit it again. Just great delivery by uh, Alan Rickman, right? Mm -hmm. So what does John do? He takes some C4 that he found previously, and he sent it down an elevator shaft. With an old computer monitor and... And it, uh spotter says you got two with that blast. <laughs>
2: so, so when that blast happens, that was, that was one of the moments that I kind of sort of like, mm, uh, mm,
1: I don't know. Really? Even back then? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. It was brought up a good point while watching this movie is they pretty much blow up the hell out of this building. This movie came out before nine 11. Do you think they could have made the same movie after nine 11 blowing up the building like that?
0: It depends on how long, how long after 9-11. I think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, people blow up buildings in today's movies. Mm. I mean, could you make The Man of Steel in 2012? Or no, I'm sorry, in 2002? No. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, um, yeah, he fucking takes out uh, a bottom half of a building. And I love what Robinson says. There are people covered in glass. <laughs> glass? Who gives a shit about glass?
2: I'm not the one that just got butt-fucked on TV,
0: Dwayne. Yeah, so good. You're not part of the solution this time. You're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. Ellis told Hans, "Booby, I'm your white knight. Hans shot him dead, giving the hostages a fright. Hans went back to go check on the explosive fuse and saw that poor John wasn't wearing any shoes. John fled from Carl and Hans, but alas, he had to run barefoot over sharp broken glass. His feet, how they hurt, his soles, oh so bloody, John crawled to the bathroom and called his good buddy. John was weary and ready to throw in the towel until he got a pep talk from Sergeant Al Powell. Powell was chubby and plump, a right jolly old cop, and he trusted the cowboy in his tattered tank top. But a reporter was probing into McLean's life And revealed that holly was actually john's wife hans quickly flipped over the gold pitcher frame it's a pleasure to meet you mrs mclean his clothes all tarnished with ash and soot john staggered to the roof bloody and barefoot the explosives were wired to the rooftop with care in hopes that the hostages soon would be there john warned everyone the roof would soon blow as the chopper strafed him with high-powered ammo. Around his waist, he tied a fire hose tight and, screaming an oath, jumped into the night. He dangled in the air and gritted his teeth while flames encircled the tower like a wreath. Fiercely fighting his way back inside, John yelled out, Hans! He was done trying to hide. He limped to the vault like an old man on crutches, only to find Holly in his filthy clutches. John dropped his gun Put his hands on his head, it seemed he and Holly soon would be dead. But with a secret gun taped to his back, John shot Hans in a surprise attack. Hans fell out the window, holding Holly's arm, and slowly, deliberately raised his firearm. The tenacious villain held on by his nails until John unhooked Holly's watch and said, Happy Trails. Bearer bonds flooded like fresh fallen snow as Holly embraced her blood spattered bow. So Merry Christmas to all, be kind to one another, and most of all, yippee yay motherfucker. End movie.
1: Now, the book you've been reading, can you tell us a little bit about that book?
0: This is A Die Hard Christmas, written by Doogie Horner, illustrated by J.J. Harrison. Where'd you get it, John?
1: I got that off of Amazon.
0: Yeah, so uh, I got this book a couple years back uh, down at the brick-and-mortar Amazon store. Uh, I saw it there, and I was like, fuck, yeah. Even read it to a good buddy of mine uh, when he wasn't feeling all that great. And, um, yeah, fucking great book. Uh, You should go out and pick it up.
1: Yeah, it further proves it is a Christmas movie because it's got its own Christmas book. There you go. Case and point. Well, that and the director, John McTiernan, also said
2: in an interview that he based it, he wanted it to be a Christmas movie.
1: All right, so I I don't think there is a debate. Yeah, it gives you the feels. So yeah, the part with Ellis and the hey booby thing, uh, I guess that was all improvised. Alan Rickman's expression when he comes in and says that was complete shock because he wasn't expecting
0: it. Right. Yeah, so that that reaction from Rickman is uh, genuine. So Ellis tries to be the big guy and tries to be the hero and doesn't say anything about Holly, which, you know, good for him. And that's what John was worried about, right? Right. And all of this is being played live on radio, and uh, it it would appear that McLean let him die, right? But McLean knows. McLean knows who Hans is. He knows the type of guy. And um, they shoot Ellis, and now Hans is all kind of pissed off. Right. And so uh he tells everybody to go do their job. And then I love what he says to Carl. Carl, hunt that little shit down and get me my detonators. Cause this is what he needs, right? He needs the detonators to blow the roof. So um Carl says, uh, I was gonna go check the explosives or whatever on the roof. He goes, No, 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 I'll do it. You go hunt that little shit down. Right. So uh he goes to the roof and he sees that uh it's not completely finished the wiring of the uh, c4 and he jumps down and that's when him and john McClane meet for the very first time but this fucking scene it was well, magnificent
1: i guess this was one of the first scenes that alan rickman even filmed and jumping down that one scene where he kind of jumps down he actually broke something in his knee and oh. so he had to wear a brace underneath his pants the rest of the movie. Oh, that sucks. From hurting his knee. Now, the big tell that I was going to talk about where he, you know, John McClane as a New York cop, must have figured out something was wrong with Bill, what was his name, Bill? Clay. Clay. Bill Clay. Clay. Bill uh, was the cigarette. Did you notice anything weird about the cigarette? He was
0: holding it weird? He was holding it the European way. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe that was it, you know, maybe yeah. that, maybe that was the tell that in the watch and, you know, but for years I always wonder, I said, how did he, how did he know, right? How did he know it was Hans? I
1: always figured he was just testing him with the, giving him a gun with no bullets was just kind of a test and that's how
0: he figured it out. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any I mean,
1: stranger, a, a loaded weapon. Well, that's a good
0: point. No a good
1: bullets. Point. Think I'm fucking stupid.
0: You were sane. um, yeah, I love that. I'm going to count to three. What? Like you did with Takagi. (laughs) This is just so cool.
1: Now, my first thought too is when McLean, you know, the bad guys come up in the elevator and you were saying, and McLean runs away, why didn't he just shoot Hans real quick and just end that?
0: I thought that same thing too, but, you know. I
1: would have just immediately when I figured out it was Hans, I would have just shot him.
0: Well, he didn't have his hand on the gun with the bullets. Oh. His Beretta didn't have any bullets in it, remember? Mm. What do you think of fucking stupid Hans? Um, So, yeah, uh, Carl comes in, and they pin him down, and this is all to get the detonators. And then uh, Hans realizes, this motherfucker doesn't have any shoes on, and we are surrounded by glass. Shoot the glass. God. She's finsta, And he just looks at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Shoot the glass. And he does. And, I mean... you as the audience can just—I mean—imagine Bruce Willis is pinned down. He no—he can see the fucking exits. It's literally like maybe four big steps, but those four big steps are all covered in glass. So, ugh, fucking rough.
1: Bruce Willis says it even gives him still to this day the heebie-jeebies of watching you know himself in that movie pulling
0: the glass out of his feet. Yeah. Ugh. And that's one of my favorite scenes.
1: Now, supposedly, and I missed it again watching this, they made special shoes for Bruce Willis for this time that would actually looked like bare feet that went over his feet, but they're so big, it's obvious. Did you catch that in the movie when he was running out that he had fake feet on? No. no, so I, I haven't, didn't catch it in this one either.
0: Yeah. Hobbit's feet? So yeah, now the terrorists are back on track. They have their detonators, and now the FBI has been called in. And they are running the terrorist playbook uh, to a T. And so what we didn't really touch on was this vault. This vault has seven locks. And six of them are electric and can be picked and uh, broken into with a big high power drill, apparently. That's Theo's job. But this seventh lock was a magnetic seal, and the circuits could not be cut locally. And Hans the whole time was like... Trust me, it's Christmas. Well, it, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. He must have known that they were going to call the FBI and that the FBI was going to go in and shut off the power. And then I love how Theo realizes it at that moment. He's like, or a time lock in the line that Rickman delivers. You asked for a miracle, Theo. I give you the FBI.
1: He, he said so good. He said earlier on in the movie when he was trying to explain, you know, Uh, not to stress about the cops coming, it was always part of the plan.
0: He said it was inevitable.
1: Oh, I thought he said it was part of the plan. Oh, yeah, I think he does too.
2: And that's why they had to be terrorists. Yeah, he
1: wanted the FBI there the whole time.
2: Uh, I have to say, watching it this time, you know, in today's society, I, okay, now granted, this is a long time ago, but, you know, to have the power grid shut it off, doesn't the power go out every once in a while? You know, so, you know, there are six other redundant locks on it but at the same time shouldn't you have some sort of an in,
1: an independent battery backup i'm guessing yeah, you do, would think right but i'm guessing that's what they cut in the beginning or the fbi cut all the power to the building
0: well that's what they did the, they shut off the entire grid what he's saying is it you would think they'd have a, a back a, a backup outside of said grid
2: mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a ups battery backup i have one in my computer lab at school and so i'm thinking that Sort of a rookie move there for a big old corporation like this to have half a billion dollars and you don't have a battery backup.
1: Yes, a half a billion dollars that anybody can cash. Which bonds? Anybody? The government has to
0: accept them.
2: I want to know how did Hans know that was in there? I, I've always wondered that. over Oh, the he years. did his
0: research because he, he sh- did. He knew his shit. Yeah, he reads Forbes and Time and <laughs> yeah. Men's Suits.
2: Yeah, he knows about the Asian Dawn.
0: So, yeah he makes all these lists of demands that the FBI actually says that you know they'll do
2: um, so in the and then we and now this brings us to the uh, the bathroom after the power goes out and uh, now I think this is where John thinks I'm not making out it making it out alive yeah he even says
0: I don't, I don't have a good feeling here
2: yeah um, and, and-, and the line he delivers you know tell Holly, you know, she's
0: heard me crazy. say i love uh, you a million, million times, times. Mm-hmm. she's never heard me say i'm sorry
2: and and the the quiver in his voice yeah
0: even i mean even the build-up you know because you know i, I was i should have been more supportive i should have been you know when things started to take off for her, you know and then al's like you can tell her yourself because you're going to make it out of there. What I don't understand or what I actually thought of for the very first time, and again, I've seen this movie a couple times, everyone's listening to that. So wouldn't have Hans known that there was a wife somewhere in the crowd maybe? I was also thinking. And he keeps throwing them off, right? I got yeah. invited by mistake, blah, 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 but still.
2: It is around this time that I start thinking, you know, there's 100 police officers down there and, boy, this channel is extremely quiet. There's only three people talking on it. You got John, you got Al, and you got Hans. And everybody else is staying off? Yeah, well, because it's
0: the three main dudes, I guess. Well, Hans
2: told everybody to stay off. And
0: those are
2: are powerful walkie-talkies.
0: Oh, yeah, they are. Look how far that's going. So he says, you know, just I guess that's up to the man upstairs. You're going to make it out of there live. And then it dawns on John what was hans doing upstairs mm-hmm. so uh he starts to make his way upstairs and in the meantime uh the fbi like i said has arrived they've arranged for everything and now it was time johnson for and johnson <laughs> uh, no relation um it's time for hans to take all the hostages up to the roof and this is where uh we see uh that thornburg being a dick went and threatened uh Holly's uh housekeeper with the INS. Uh dick move, Thornburg, dick move. Um, but he gets in, interviews the children, and Holly sees this on the little portable TV that the terrorists brought and Hans figures it out, lifts up the picture and sees that Bruce Willis is the husband and now, you know, he's all excited. He's gonna nice kidnap to me- a nice to make your acquaintance, Mrs. McLean. And then he shoots off in the air and yeah. And then he tells everyone to go up to the roof and come back. And I don't know if you noticed, Holly tries to go the other way, really nonchalantly. She just tries to walk away, which is so fucking brilliant, right? But he grabs her and goes, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so John makes it upstairs, figures out that the whole roof is wired to blowing, And it's now been a double cross, not only by the terrorists, but the FBI who have sent uh, gunships and not regular choppers. So they were planning to kill everybody uh, anyway. You know, they even talk about what's the loss ratio. Uh,
2: 25%.
0: I can live with that. That's what he says.
2: Yeah. And so here's another example of the law enforcement that is sent to help McLean. working again, you know, that we are, we are not supporting these characters because they are, they are crappy people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: To jump back a little bit because I know you love when I do in that. Uh, We passed over one of my favorite scenes in the movie which is I believe the terrorists are carrying a body. I can't remember whose body it was and Hans comes out all pissed off and he's yelling and all this stuff. Carl does. No, but Hans does and Hans is upset about something and Holly looks up and goes he's still alive. How do you know? Because only John can piss someone off like that. It's Carl. Is it Carl? Yeah,
2: yeah, Carl, because he he
1: wrecks the bar. Oh,
0: because it's his brother that he wants the blood for, right? right. Only John can drive someone that crazy.
1: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. That's one of my favorite scenes. That's a good
0: scene. Good scene.
1: scene. But sorry, back to the helicopter and all that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So next time when we get to that part, jump in and don't just sit there with your thumb up your ass. Um, (laughs) Well, that's new. I haven't used that one yet. (laughs) Uh, so john goes up to check the um oh we already said that explosives gunship and who's waiting for uh john carl carl so here's our showdown right and in the meantime we're cutting back and forth to the gunships making uh making their rounds to the building we have the hostages getting uh escorted up to the roof and this whole time john's got to fight uh carl who I would think, could probably kick his ass in a regular situation, maybe.
1: Now, the guy who played Carl, uh, from what I have read... Do you know what his profession was before this movie? He's a ballet dancer. He was a ballet dancer. So pretty you, fucking famous. Did you notice all the kicks oh, that yeah. he was doing? Oh, yeah. He was doing a pretty good job. Yeah. With those you, kicks. Yeah.
0: When uh, McClain was on the ground and he was just kind of kicking him. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Totally saw that. Uh, but then, you know, McLean goes all streetwise on him and hangs him from a chain and runs upstairs. And uh, I love the
1: line of, was it. Uh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cook you. And I'm going to eat you. I'm going to fucking
0: eat you. Yeah. Uh, I Well, that that's a great line. But one of my other favorites was, as he's kicking Carl's ass, you should have heard your brother squeal when I broke his fucking neck. Right? I mean, just so John McClane. Uh, so he makes it upstairs to the roof, and he tells everybody to get uh run down and he starts shooting uh you know in the air to scare the hostages back down the fbi thinks it's a terrorist so they start shooting at john mcclain and this this scene this bit is my favorite bit of the entire movie the the stunt is great and the action is superb but it really is for me when he starts taking the fire hose down and he starts talking to himself Mm -hmm. again right oh john what the fuck are you doing (laughs) you know ties it around gets on the ledge and goes i promise uh i'll never think about going up in a tall building again right yeah. and then it's the last one he goes please don't let me die and then just as he jumps they hit they blow the roof and then there's this spectacular scene right the roof of the nakatomi blows up john McClane uh comes down and he hits the window he can't quite get in so what does he do he pushes himself off and as he's swinging back he takes out his gun and shoots the glass and at the exact moment the wheel that the hose is on flips over and we see bruce willis's face like holy fuck right he can't believe this just happened he's just fucking there and then all of a sudden you see the wheel fly by him
1: i love the realization on on his face And it's
0: the realization on his face absolutely and then when he takes it off and he manages to get rid of it it's that look of
2: and the cubicle wall that he has his feet pressed against. yes
0: absolutely and then it's that look after he gets it all done like he can't believe he just fucking did that
2: Yep. And you know, his heart's got to be going, almost died, almost died, almost died, almost died, almost died.
0: died." Yeah. I mean, his nerves must be shot. So he needs to make his way down to the 30th floor to the vault where Hans has kidnapped Holly. So now we have. uh, He sent Theo, uh, the hacker dude, to go get the ambulance, which if you watch real closely in the beginning of the film does not fit in that truck that the terrorists get off, but whatever I've, I've, so
2: this is where, you know, this, this the storyline changed.
0: So he sends Theo down to get the truck and uh, Argyle still down in the uh, garage and he takes out that guy. So that's one less hostage that John McClane has to get. And uh, now we have our showdown. Now this is where we, what we've been waiting for.
2: There's one other little line that I like the, the uh, helicopters explode and and Dwayne.
0: Oh, I guess, I guess we're going to need some new FBI guys.
1: <laughs> so good. Well, while they're in the helicopter, though, when the guy says, reminds me of Saigon.
0: I was in junior high, dickhead. Yeah, that was a good one.
2: And so now we're down to the final showdown.
0: Yeah. And uh, John has two bullets left, none in his machine gun. He comes up. Uh, Hans has Holly hostage they do their little banter back and forth hans Hi, right, honey. <laughs> I how, love that. Hi, honey. That was so good. How
1: did he tape that gun to his back so well? I can't even barely scratch my back. I know. Far.
0: That's another thing he I was questioning. Barely reach. But, but who cares? We'll fucking go with that. that right? and he's
1: so sweaty and dirty. I kept wondering how that tape Totally. Even. I just wanted to see the scene where he goes there and he's got his hands up. And all of a sudden you see this gun fall down. Just falls him. down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know,
2: holy buckets, what he's been through, right? He's been shot in the shoulder. He pulled all that glass out of his feet. Uh, He should have a broken back from uh, his fall from the roof.
0: He should have a number of broken things uh, at this point, but he doesn't.
1: He's been shot in in the shoulder, I think you said? Yep. Yep. Okay.
0: So Mm -hmm. he drops his gun and... uh, They start laughing. Right. And then Holly's kind of looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? And then, you know, he screams Holly to get her out of the way, reaches behind his back, pulls the gun, shoots Hans shoots the other dude in his head happy trails hans goes out the window and this is a great scene too because um it's very memorable and, and it's, it's memorable for a bunch of reasons right uh like you pointed out earlier the foreshadowing of him seeing the watch well this is the first time that he gets to see the rolex and uh hans is holding on to it as he's hanging out this fucking window so mclean takes off the rolex and when um when hans drops uh filming it, they didn't tell Alan Rickman they were going to let him go.
2: Such a good story.
0: And when they did, that expression is 100% genuine.
2: So it took a lot of cajoling to get Alan Rickman to do because he was very anxious about being up that high.
1: He had to fall, what, 25 feet? Something like that.
2: So, well, there's varying accounts about how far he fell. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, it was at least 20 feet. And he is uh, all rigged up. He has... You know he he has the drop that he's going to do. And Like I said, I took a lot of cajoling, and he, okay, so it's going to be at the count of three. But they told they told the the uh, the stunt man holding on to him, let go at two, so that way they could get the genuine response. Yeah. And so what we have is that is the first take that we see. They talked Alan into shooting it again a second time, but they went with the first take, and yeah. it just. Makes it that much more delightful to yeah, watch.
1: That panic
0: Absolutely. on his face. Yeah, and then uh, that was a real stunt guy who fell all that way. Normally, movies would just throw a dummy in there, right? Mm-hmm. But that was a real dude, and he fell all that way. And I like Robinson's line again. Oh, I hope that wasn't one of the hostages.
1: On uh, on the inter- underwebs, interwebs, you can actually find a site that will tell you the exact time to start the movie at to have Hans Gruber fall at midnight. And they said it's not, you know, the new year until Hans drops, but
0: it didn't happen on New Year's Eve. I know, but it's just kind of funny. Okay,
2: so so I that, suppose so that shot of uh, Gruber falling to his death—that was what got one of the Oscar
0: nominations. So there you have it.
2: So then we all go downstairs.
0: And- Al and uh, John meet for the very first time. And I tell you, it's like that moment in Lethal Weapon 2 that we talk about all the fucking time. It gets me every, every fucking time. Every
2: single time I tear up. Every
0: fucking time. And that's what makes it a wonderful Christmas movie. When
2: when the, when they finally embrace and then John lets the laugh out. It's
0: the laugh that gets you every time. Every single time. time. Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, but we knew Carl wasn't dead because they set us up that uh, al has to shoot him uh, because we got the story of how he hasn't uh, pulled his gun after he shot that anybody, kid yeah. yeah and i love that line you know they can teach you everything in the academy when you're a rookie except how to live with a mistake it's such a good line but anyways um al shoots him and then argyle comes pulling out of the garage they get into the back seat before
1: they get in the back seat
0: uh, oh, yeah, uh, Pe- uh, Peck. I almost called him Peck. Uh, Thornburg comes up and tries to interview the McLeans, and then Holly just gives him a right cross. And, yeah. Did you get that? I love that. Did you get that? <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, so they get in. Um, Argyle says, if this is their idea of Christmas, Christmas movie, uh, I got to be here for New Year's. So they get in. It's snowing. They pull away.
1: Julie brought up a great point of, wouldn't they immediately need to go to the hospital?
0: Well, maybe that's he's, where he took him. He's
1: pretty beat up.
0: He is. However, I bet you there's a lot of raw emotions going on there. I bet you they were
1: getting busy. I think five the seconds back after of the this movie ended, he remembered how bad his feet hurt.
0: Uh, I don't know. He's probably all hopped up on adrenaline. He, uh, but I'm sure he made it to the hospital at some point. At some point. Now, the
1: the guy who played Al. Have you heard why he hates? Or he doesn't really hate, but he's not happy with uh, his character from this movie.
0: Because of the Twinkies?
1: Because of the Twinkies. Apparently, after this movie was finished, everywhere he went, people threw Twinkies at him. In fact, even when he was driving down the street, if he had his window open, people would throw Twinkies into his
0: moving car. Uh, All right. So uh, that was the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Die Hard.
2: One last thing. Every time when I watch the end of the movie and you know the the music starts, I always think to myself, "Man, somebody had to clean all that up."
0: <laughs> What's funny is they address that in the end of two, uh, Marv the janitor. Oh, yeah. I'll be damned if I'm cleaning this mess up. So that was pretty good. One I like the, that.
1: One of the interesting things I don't remember. Did I bring this up in the beginning? Probably. Um, the movie ends with "Let It Snow." The second movie starts with it snowing. Do you know what the official body count was for this movie, including the two FBI agents?
0: See, there was 12 terrorists, two FBI agents, Ellis, Takagi, the guard at the front, the other guard.
1: I heard there was 14 terrorists. Well, 13 on the movie poster, but it turned out to be 14. And then you figure you got helicopter pilots.
0: 24. What's your guess? 20.
1: The official answer is 21. Oh. So you're nice pretty close. Nice job, Professor. Trivia. How many of the terrorists live I to know the, the end en- to the end of the movie? I know this, but do you know,
0: Don? Probably just one. Nope. Oh, two. There's two. Two two terrorists. Theo and the dude that McLean clocks with the gun when he's running around.
2: And and all the Barabons go sliding across the floor.
1: I heard the
0: reason why those two terrorists
1: lived or two thieves lived is because they're the only ones who never shot at anybody. Oh, well, there you go.
2: I'm sure that's what McTiernan had in mind.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I have no idea.
0: As soon as they they came to set that day, you know what, buddy boy, you haven't shot anybody, you're going to (laughs) live. Well, it's supposed to send a message. Yeah, great message. You guys ready to rate this motherfucker? Let's rate this motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay. Hey,
2: Professor, how do we do our ratings? Our ratings have been modified somewhat just recently. We are now deciding that what we want to rate our movies with has to do with how many Fs do we give this movie. And when I'm talking about Fs, I'm talking about fucks. So we still have a 1 to 5 rating. Five Fucks is a movie that we think of, this is cinematic gold. This movie is beloved, and we are ready to watch it anytime. And when we love a movie, we're going to give it five fucks. Fuck yeah. That's a lot of fucks. Yeah. As opposed to a movie that we don't care. We saw it one and done, and we're going to give that movie one fuck. I, you know, I really don't give a fuck about this movie.
1: What if I don't give... Any fucks about a movie.
2: If you don't give any fucks about a movie, that's a movie where you are just screaming, fuck, somebody owes me two hours of my life back.
1: So that would be a zero? That would be a zero.
0: All right, so that is our ratings. Thank you, Professor. Uh, Who wants to go first?
1: I will go first. Die Hard, obviously, fun ride every time you watch it. Um, It is the movie that created the formula for what a decade after this, um, still today, still today, people just compare this movie to just every other movie, ma- action movie made. Um, love it, it's just a fantastic movie. Um, it's one of those movies, though, I think that it's fun to have a little bit of distance, it's fun to watch it every once in a while, you know, especially around the holiday time. You got to bring that movie out and see it. Some people have a Christmas story, some people have. You know, some other movie, It's a Wonderful Life. For me, you get that holiday feels watching Die Hard. Um, I thought that Bruce Willis was fantastic in it. Bruce Willis actually picked, you know, the actress who played his wife, Holly. Um, they had great chemistry. I can't honestly see, I mean, like Clint Eastwood originally bought the rights for this movie and he was going to be in it. I couldn't see him doing it. I can't see Nick Nolte being in it. Um, Sylvester Stallone was another character. Bruce Willis is John McClane. I mean, I can't see anybody else playing the role as well as he did. Um, and everything he went through to make this movie, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, did a fantastic job. Uh, the fact that they gave the character some realism to him, they didn't make him the perfect action hero. They made him a guy who was vulnerable, a guy who a lot of luck took place, You know, a lot of instinct took place. He was a New York cop, and you kind of believed it. Um, All of that went in to make just an amazing action movie. Uh, For that reason, I'm going to give Die Hard a 4.5 fucks.
0: 4.5 fucks for Die Hard from the comic book guy. You want to go? You want me to go?
2: I can go. So this movie is, uh, I think, probably in the pantheon of the classic movies that I hold near and dear. It is a beloved movie for me. I adore this movie, and it is something that I am ready and eager to watch whenever. The character of John McClane is iconic. Hans Gruber, every bit as iconic as John McClane. To have these two characters go up against each other, I cannot think, it is hard to think of another rivalry in a movie to have two characters pitted against each other and to have both of these characters in the, I don't want to say their prime, but this established them in Hollywood for both of them. These roles are what have made these actors movie stars and they came out in, uh, in, in such a wonderfully unexpected way. I was completely blown away pun intended, by this movie when I first saw it. And watching it again the other night, man, it is so good. And, and the lines just roll off your tongue. And just, it is so delightful to watch. And it was so much fun being able to talk about this movie with other people to say, so yeah, is this a Christmas movie or is this not a Christmas movie? It's it's always amusing to how you have some people that feel very, very strongly that this is not a Christmas movie. For a long time, I wondered as well, is it? And finally, yeah, over the last couple of years, said, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. So I am giving this movie a five.
0: You're giving five fucks because Die Hard is cinematic gold. It is
2: a perfectly wonderful action movie. It is hard to think of an action movie that is going to uh, outshine this. There are others that are as good, but I have to say it is hard pressed to find another movie that will outshine it.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: I love this movie.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to echo what you said because I too love this movie. This movie had a very big impact on me growing up. Um, Whenever I was down or whenever I needed something to watch, it was always diehard. Um, From beginning to end, it moves. The writing is witty. Uh, John McClane is lovable and charismatic. Bruce Willis uh, comes onto the scene and proves everybody wrong and just nails it out of the park uh, in this role. Uh, Hans Gruber Easily uh, one of the greatest villains in a movie of all time. Any genre, any movie, anywhere, Hans Gruber is up there. It gave us, uh, like John was saying, the trope of uh, die hard on a bus, die hard on a boat. In my opinion, it is close to a perfect film. Um, there are bits, uh, here and there where it drags a little bit and, you know, depending on how many times you watch it or when you watch it, it can feel a little long. Sometimes, uh, I can say that because I've seen this movie literally probably over, you know, easily 200 times. Right. So, um, you know, I have nothing but love for this film and I have always thought that this movie was a Christmas movie. Because it happens at Christmas. Yeah, it got released in July, but whatever. Every Christmas, uh, we watch it and uh, in some form or another. So, um, you know, a timeless movie. I love it to death. I am going to give Die Hard 4.75 fucks.
1: I thought so. That's one of your highest rated movies.
2: Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a five. Not yet.
0: Oh, it was, it was pretty close. Now comes the point in our podcast where we are going to select our next film. The next film that we are going to review is, it's been suggested by our listener, Gerard. We are going to be talking about the 1994 Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock vehicle, Speed. Did you like Speed?
1: You know, I've only ever seen it once. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck you how can it be only one
2: time
0: to be fair professor he has still not seen shauna the dead
1: or at world's end
0: oh my god you're fucking killing me you're yeah. fucking killing me john
1: uh i have i think i've seen it once i know it's on a bus
0: well it's uh, die hard on a bus yeah so, so
1: and i do remember it has um
0: Dennis Hopper. Dennis.
1: I, uh, and I do remember it has Dennis Hopper, in it, who I, I love in just about anything
0: he's in. Yeah, you and you and I, Professor, have talked about Speed several times. We mm-hmm. we we we've, we've seen it. Pat. He's he, he's a fan. But Me. have you
1: yeah. have you seen Speed Two? Yes, Cruise on Control. Yeah, oh.
0: Die Hard on a boat. Yeah.
1: Isn't yeah. it just the same movie? No, no, it, absolutely not.
0: No, one is on a boat. And one is on a bus. I don't know no, how more one, different you one get. One is
1: on a boat. Two is on a bus.
0: <laughs> I see or what you did there. One is on
1: here. a bus and two is on a boat. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah,
0: no, it's not the same story at all.
1: That Candle Reese isn't even in the second one.
0: All right, so that is going to wrap it up for our holiday special of Three Guys in a Flick. I want to thank everybody who listens, especially Zach and Ronnie. You guys have made this year a lot of fun for us, so uh, keep listening and keep suggesting. Uh, I know that Zach has movies in the helmet. Has Ronnie put any movies in the helmet yet? I don't believe so. Okay, I'm going to need you to talk to this fucking guy and say we need a movie or two.
1: Yeah, I, I'm working on it. I'm all working right, on it. Right, it would be right. nice if we could add a third listener. That could, should be our like New Year's resolution.
0: Oh, yeah, because the New Year is coming up. Maybe we can get a third listener somewhere.
1: So if you'd like to be mentioned on every single show, start listening.
0: And let us know that you're listening. Uh, Speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us?
1: They can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. They can find us at pretty much any place that hosts podcasts. We are on all of them, Spotify, iTunes, any place I could find to put us. We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Tumblr. We are on every social media as well. So we're all good.
0: So for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don.
2: I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas.
1: Did you know that this movie like there was a movie that completely ripped off
0: Die Hard? What was it called? It was called Harry Potter Oh, this I got to fucking hear. Go ahead.
1: What is the basic plot of Harry Potter? He's a wizard. It's about a guy who runs around a building chased by Alan Rickman.
0: (laughs) Lame. Uh, That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what? Get the fuck out of my basement. Fuck off. that's
2: That's almost a dad joke.
0: That is totally a dad joke but I wish I had the wherewithal to come up with something that was counterpoint to that.
1: I'll say, will this basically be my last podcast? This then?
0: will be the comic book guy's <laughs> last podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us and bringing us the dumbest fucking movies we've had to watch uh, date.
1: You guys got any uh, New Year's
0: resolutions? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and cut down on the swears. <laughs> That's not happening.
1: Uh, let's see how long you can go after the New Year without swearing.
0: Oh, is that a challenge, sir? So, I guess when I rate my movies, I don't get to fuck them anymore. No, I have to just say, give them Fs. I have to give them Fs.
2: Yeah. It's going to be interesting because John's going to goat you. Oh, I know. And
0: bait oh. you. God. I know. I know. Um, gonna I said poke, I, I'm going to uh, poke that tiger. To be clear, I said I'm going to try and reduce the amount of Fs that I say. I didn't say I was going to cut them out altogether. All right. Fuck off. Good night.